Welcome everyone. This is live at the family barbecue with your boy, a Wizzle, a Wheezy, a Wall. Got a real special guest with me today. You know, first he was a teacher of mine. You know, then a brother, then a mentor. You know, then family. And, you know, now he just uh, holds all of the titles, you know, at once. Whenever something, you know, whenever you need one, that's what he's going to do. You know, very special brother right here, man. From Milltown. <laughs> or from Hampton. You know, I don't really know where he's from. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know where this bro. Every time I ask him, it's something new every time. So, you know, I'll let him tell me uh, where he's from today. Let him tell y'all where he's from. Uh, but really excited to have him on board today, man, to talk about some good stuff. One of the leaders and most epic people when it comes to African-centered education on any level. But for me, it was in college. So we're going to talk to the brother Get his insight on some things and uh, move forward. So, why don't you introduce yourself, brother? Tell some, tell us a little something about yourself. You know, anything you wanted to know before we get into it. Hotel, beloved brother. Uh, my name is Raymond Shorter. Born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Did a lot of schooling in uh, Minnesota and Virginia. And now I'm currently working and teaching and trying to help to educate our peoples on the college level to help them to gain the knowledge of themselves so they can master that knowledge of themselves and utilize that to help with the liberation and the salvation of the black nation. That is my focus. What an intro. What an intro. Very epic. So, uh, real quick, brother, you want to tell the uh, good folks what, what universities you're at right now? Well, I'm at Bowie State University and George Mason University. Got you, got you. What uh, classes do you teach at those? Bowie State University, I teach communications, mm. uh, public speaking, and at George Mason University, I teach graduate course in human development in the education component. That's what's up because I honestly felt like freshman seminar when we had it with you was a public speaking class so you know that's oh, yes. all good. I know you fitting right in there with them so that's 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 good. Another thing that you do uh, do a lot of things but uh, Black Male Agenda the Greatest you know. group in the world you know, I've been going strong since 2008. This is the group uh, I told you guys about before. You know, I had Mo on earlier, and he was one of the founders. We started it, so Raymond Shorter played as our uh, advisor, him and Robert Foster. So want to tell them a little bit about what got you interested with that group, brother, and why you continue to help us with that one today? Well, yes, with Blackmail Agenda, the whole concept or the seed was planted back in the fall of 2007 and the spring of 2008 when the residence hall 
known as Holmes Hall, was going through a lot of turmoil and a lot of frustration and issues that many of the young freshman black males had during that particular time. And so the resident director, Jeremy Henderson, came to me um, to express his frustration and informed me that um, there was nothing else he can do. He was really tired, he was fed up, and he's given up on them. So he asked me what should he do, and I told him to gather staff members who either lived in Holmes Hall or mentored other young black males and to call a meeting, a mandatory meeting, for those residences Home Hall, and we call it the Legacy of Homes. And so we called that meeting, and during that time period uh, when we met, the the meeting was very intensified because we start talking about a lot of issues that's going on and why some of the young black males are doing some of the things that they're doing and, and causing some of these behavior problems. But then we decide to shift the focus to really start talking about who they are as black men and where they should go and what is needed for them to become greater than what they are. And it was proposed to me from these seven young black men that stayed afterwards. They wanted to, that I met with them, they wanted to do something, but they didn't know what to do. And so the conversation of starting the organization came into play. But I informed them. I stated that if the organization that you start is not African-centered, it's a waste of time because it must be African-centered. It must come from the worldview and the paradigm of our peoples. And they stated that they will do that. And they completed that task. And nine years later, Black Male Agenda is still in existence, and I'm still the advisor ever since the seed was planted. Mm. So for the people who don't know, tell them what African-centered means for us, just so they can have a clear definition of it. A nice, good, smooth version of African-centeredness is understanding the greatness of our peoples and using that greatness of our peoples from our worldview, from our paradigm, and using that as a way to shape our own reality and do the things that we need to do in order to help our peoples coming from our own cultural paradigm and using that to find ways of how to build on and add on to the world that we live in. So bringing out that greatness within us and what our peoples have laid the foundation for us and our goal is to build upon that foundation. Mm. We are those building blocks. So kind of twofold question. You kind of answered it uh, somewhat, but there's plenty of groups on campus, you know, or any other campuses, and you know, all across the world. What is it that makes this group so special that you uh, felt you needed to be a part of it and still be a part of it? What, what is it that separates them from a lot of the other groups on campus? Their desire 
to make life better for themselves and our peoples. See, as they build who they are and learn and master and and give themselves a lot of that attention, perfect themselves on their public speaking, perfect themselves on their African-centered knowledge, perfect themselves on their values, on their beliefs, on their thoughts. To perfect that and use that as a method to be able to transfer that to our peoples, to really help our peoples to become greater than what they can ever imagine. That desire and that passion to do that is what makes me want to be so connected with them because not only they're bettering themselves for the rest of their lives, they're using that as a catalyst to help better the lives of our peoples because our peoples need that. We need great leaders who are invested in us and spend that quality time with us to see what our goals are, what do we want to do with our lives. So when you have that strong support system of individuals who want you to be the best you ever, you got to support individuals like that because they're on a mission to making sure that goals get accomplished absolutely and we you know we we we're doing this for the people who may not know a lot about bma and some of your work so to the ladies who may be listening when it got started well why isn't it a female agenda you know what do you say to those people who say that like why 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 separate them why is it just a male a black male agenda they're black men. So because they're black men, black men needs to work on their malehood, mm-hmm. on their manhood. Mm-hmm. So since they're men, you have to help them to become greater men. Absolutely. So th- that's just as simple as it can be. Mm-hmm. So you have to give individuals their attention. It's like if you're working with babies. If you're working with babies, you don't need to give the attention, the sole attention, to the parents. Mm -hmm. Because I'm working with that baby to look at that baby's fine and gross motor skills. I'm working with that baby to understand the development of that baby, Mm -hmm. the emotional development the social development, the physical development. Mm -hmm. Now, I still will end up utilizing the parents to help with the process, but the focus is the baby. So with the black men, although we end up working with black women as a whole because it's about the liberation of all of our peoples, these are black men that are deciding they want to do something. Mm -hmm. So you have to give them that attention to be able to do something that they want to do. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Because I had a conversation. Uh, well, we went to dinner. Uh, Brian, Michelle, and some of us, we went out. And we were talking about um, 
basically uh, black men and black women because of the whole Women's March thing today. And they was talking about, uh, well, Michelle had brought up uh, that uh, sometimes, you know, black uh, women can feel disrespected by black men and whatnot. And uh, we have both kind of came to an agreement that a lot of times, whether it's men or women that's disrespecting anybody, whether it be themselves, uh, other people of the same sex or the opposite sex, a lot of times it's because they may not have had training or had models and role models for how they should be walking out into the world and stepping out. And that's why I think Black Male Agenda is so good is because it actually gives the campus like role models like mm-hmm. it really does like mm-hmm. you don't have you know because lost in the sauce of all the college life you know it's going to be people walking around and things mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and it's always good people but this kind of forces you to step into a leadership position oh yes Black it does Malagenda. even if uh you know you may not hold a quote-unquote presidential position in the organization you know, from an SGA perspective, but people know once you come into that group, it's a certain expectation. So I wanted you to talk to a little bit about the importance of giving, you know, black men expectations for leadership and giving them those role models for the people on campus, like who aren't a part, but why is that important? Just giving the student body these type of role models. Because... They should be given that since birth. Mm-hmm. When you come into an existence in this world, you are developing yourself to be a positive, positive role model for everyone that you come in contact with. Because your goal is to impact everyone um, spiritually in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. So they need to be given that attention to be groomed and developed in a manner that they're able to manifest their own greatness. Mm -hmm. And so when they're able to do that, that time and that attention given to them, they're going to have an impact on people immediately, just like anyone else Mm -hmm. should be given that opportunity. But sometimes other people are not given that opportunity, and sometimes people are given that opportunity that they reject it for whatever reason that they choose. Absolutely. But for those in Black Male Agenda, these are individuals that want that opportunity to be the best individual that they can and to work on and continue to master and perfect themselves so they can continue to help other people to do the same thing, Mm -hmm. to give that love, that attention, that support, that encouragement, as well as to help them to accomplish goals that they have in life. Mm -hmm. And so by them doing that for themselves, they're able to be those role models, or as Tupac said, real models, Mm -hmm. to encourage other people and support other people and guide other people to accomplish their goals. Mm -hmm. We all want people in our lives to support us, to help us to accomplish the things that we need to accomplish Mm -hmm. in our lives. Mm-hmm. And those members of Black Male Agenda are support system. Whether you and Black Male Agenda or not, that's why it's about the liberation of our peoples, men and women. It's to support and encourage that. So when you get a group of Black men who are on campus, who are advocating against the injustice that goes on, mm-hmm. 
against our peoples, Mm -hmm. whether even by our own people. Mm -hmm. That's something that we want. We want great advocates. Mm -hmm. We want individuals to empower us, which is what they do. They empower students. Mm -hmm. They empower faculty. They empower staff. Mm -hmm. They spend that time listening to them and working with them and helping them to accomplish their goals, whether it's academically, whether it's socially, whether it's personally. They work with them in that process because of the love that they have to make life better for others. Mm. That's why these young men on the college campus is so important, because they do it naturally. Mm. That's pure love. Absolutely. Well said, brother. Well said, brother. So, man. This is just me being honest, brother. This is just me being honest. Yes. Why do... uh, How do I want to word it? This is how I want to word it. Why do these fraternities, brother, have somewhat... uh, I, I don't know if it's a problem, if it's a... But it's tension, and you can feel it sometime. Whether it be uh, in a program or maybe not showing up to a program. I know I've been on campus campus now for a little while, but you can still kind of you know feel it. I don't know is it is it still there? Is it getting better? What like what like just just talk about it. Well, you on one end you have you know when Black Male Agenda first came out. Um, and this is a group who, who are unapologetically African. We answer to ourselves, mm. our elders, the people who love and support us. Mm. And we don't take no foolishness from nobody. Mm. And we're not going to be controlled and dictated by somebody else's agenda. Mm. So when we first came out, individuals were shocked they got jackets. What process did they go through? How did they get that? How did they do this? Who are these individuals? Even though they know the individuals before they became members of Black Male Agenda. Mm. But now when you become in form of a group that's, that other individuals do not control, mm. and nobody controls them, but the only people that controls them mm. are the people that's in the group. Mm. No outsiders. Then people don't like that because now people feel that they're a threat. Now they're going to take over their glory. Mm. See, people feel threatened and intimidated because members of Black Male Agenda, they're brilliant, powerful scholars. It's unapologetic. Mm. And they do everything that they need to do and they got a support system. So sometimes people get intimidated and jealous of that because they can't control and dictate them. Mm. So that was transpired back in 2008 Mm. and is still manifested to this particular day Mm. in the culture Mm. at Bowie State University. Mm. Now you have newer individuals who, because of relationships that they have mm-hmm. with, with members of Black Male Agenda who are in fraternities, some of them, it doesn't matter. Mm. And you have some members of Black Male Agenda 
that are in the fraternity. So that helped mm. to smooth things out. Mm. It still exists. Mm-hmm. The negative energy mm-hmm. still exists. But at the same time, Black Male Agenda ain't going nowhere. And Black Male Agenda members are still going to be who they are and they're not going to let nobody destroy them just because people are from another group. We don't allow people to dictate and control us and destroy us because of other people's jealousy and envy. And we, members of Black Male Agenda, still support everybody. They still work on programs with those in the Divine Nine. They still collaborate with them. They still help them personally. See, our goal is to help our peoples. Mm. We're not into the mere fact that you're part of this group or you're part of that group, and so we don't want to work with you. Mm. Or we have this jealousy and envy. Or people, people wants to control members of Black Male Agenda. But because they can't be controlled, people end up carrying on all this negativity. But members of Black Male Agenda, we're not stupid. We understand what's going on. We will help you and when there's a need. It's because we, we love our peoples. Mm. But we will not let no one destroy us for being great. Mm. That's why we are unapologetic for being who we are mm. as African-centered conscious individuals. Brother, so you mean to tell me young brothers can be African-centered? Absolutely. Be role models. Absolutely. Go out into the community. Help their campus. Absolutely. And even in the midst of you doing that, you can still be hit with some adversity. Oh, absolutely. It's just a part of life, fellas. Just a part of life. You just got to keep on pushing forward. See, everybody does not embrace African-centeredness. Everybody doesn't embrace that collectiveness. Everybody don't embrace that unity. Everybody don't. See, because as black people, we've been brainwashed. As Brother Malcolm talked about, we've been bamboozled. Mm. We've been hoodwinked. We have been psychologically destroyed and sometimes... We take on not only the characteristics of our presser, mm. we take on our presser whole entire cultural values, norms, and belief systems. Mm. And we use that to destroy our own, mm. even though some of us will say, in the name of black power. Mm. See, there's a difference from, see, African-centeredness, you work all the time to destroy the inferiority complex that we've been embedded with. Absolutely. And so with that, individuals still try to come after us like all great leaders. They try. Support of leadership. But we're still here. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So I know a lot, like with me and Mo, a lot of us, we always look to, when we was building the structure, we always look to like the nation and the Black Panthers, like when we were getting involved with it. Who are some of the groups, just so you could, you know, let the listeners know, some of the groups that Black Male Agenda has worked with and uh, some things that they've done. So, you know, some of the some of the bigger things. Well, one of the greatest groups that there's two major great groups that Black Male Agenda works with. Now, we work with a lot of people. Right. A lot of people. Because we support the liberation of the black nation. Mm -hmm. But there's two major groups that we work with consistently Mm -hmm. that has been there and been supportive of us since the beginning. Mm. One is ASCAT, Mm -hmm. the Association for the Study of Classical African Civilization. Mm -hmm. That organization is the greatest group of African-centered scholars, leaders, and supporters anyone can ever be connected with. And they are truly invested in us. Facts. Whether making sure that we attend conferences, making sure that they come to our programs, they, they travel from out of state, they invested in us to make sure that we get the knowledge. They do everything that they can to support us on whatever we need. Mm. And we look for them for guidance, for knowledge, for wisdom, for resources, for support. Mm. And ASCAT is there. Mm. They are invested in us. Mm. So that's one powerhouse group. Mm-hmm. The other powerhouse group that has always been there as a support system is the Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. And the Nation of Islam is what I see as the model of how to build a nation within a nation mm. and really provide a great structure for our peoples to do well socially, economically, professionally, mentally, mm. spiritually, deal with family structures. Deal with how to empower and guide our peoples and utilize their talents to help build an infrastructure for ourselves. Mm. The Nation of Islam is the perfect model for us as black people to utilize on how to really be self-sufficient. From publishing their own final call news Newspaper, which I always say is the number one source of truth for black people in this throughout the African diaspora. From the supply and establishing their own school, mm-hmm. own businesses, mm-hmm. and within that, in the nation, they utilize their own doctors, their own nurses, their own educators, to help with the liberation of black people. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they connect with other black people throughout the world to bring them together to see what can we do, continue to help our peoples. And that's what Black Male Agenda mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. Black Male Agenda 
utilize the greatness within the organization and collaborate with everyone else Mm -hmm. to see what can we do to help black people. Mm. But one of the core things that ASCAT and the Nation of Islam do, the black male agenda follows is they both focus on gaining knowledge of self Mm. and mastering that knowledge of self to help with the liberation and the salvation of the African nation. Mm. There are role models. Mm. There are real models. Mm. There are leaders, our teachers, and our guides. They laid out the blueprint for us to be able to know exactly how we need to use that to continue to build. Mm. And so when we got the opportunity to bring the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan to Bowie State University in 2012, it was the greatest moment in our lives Mm. because we got a chance to speak to our great leader, our great teacher, and to get his blessings on that we're on the right path. Mm. That was great. Mm. And we also got a chance, when everyone in Black Male Agenda, the number one book that we read is Visions for Black Men by Naeem Akbar. Mm. And we got a chance to be able to talk to Dr. Naeem Akbar. With his blessings, the black male agenda is doing the right thing at Bowie State University. Mm-hmm. Barbaran McCoy, Queen Mother Sister Yah Santawan. All of these great leaders from ASCAT gave us their blessing Mm. that we're doing the right thing at Bowie State University. Mm. Our great leader, Dr. Umar Johnson, Mm. as he came to Bowie State University, gave us our blessing, his blessing, Mm. that we're doing the right thing at Bowie State University. That's right. I go on and on and on with individuals mm. who are in, who've always been in the struggle of helping our peoples mm. to deal with all forms of oppression. Mm. All of them. Dr. Francis Chris Wesley, all of them have given us their blessings and let us know that we're on the right path. So we are grateful for them. And it's something that we hold true to our heart because they're our leaders. And so when individuals 
try to hinder and destroy something that we know that we're doing right, we advocate against that form of injustice. Mm. And we stay true to who we are mm. as a peoples. Mm. That's intense, bro. That's intense. Because it's really, when you look at it, it's hard sometimes, not hard, but it's easy to sometimes forget all the stuff that you didn't did. Oh, it's, it's, we've mean, done so much stuff. <laughs> it is. It's like, man, like, we're talking about Cedric Muhammad, Professor Griff. Like, it's, like, when you was naming those names, I was like, dang, like, that's, that's a lot of brilliant individuals that have co-signed, you know. Brother Coco. Yeah, like, I mean, what? He can go on and on, like you said. <laughs> it's so many. So many of them, so many of them. One thing I wanted to ask you about was, uh, since it got brought up, was uh, Naeem Akbar mm-hmm. and that Visions for Black Men. I say that's one of the one of the books that changed my life. It's a few of them, but what is it about that book that's just perfect for black men? Because I think I told you a little bit about the book drive. I'm thinking about mm-hmm. doing. I am going to do. Mm-hmm. And I want that to be one of the main books we get to be able to disperse to the young men because I just know the impact it can have. So from your perspective, what is it about that book that black young men and even you know older men, if they mm-hmm. haven't read it, what mm-hmm. is it about that book that they need to get? It's a beautiful African-centered book that really lays out a nice simple blueprint Mm. of development towards manhood Mm. from our African centered perspective. Absolutely. From dealing with maleness or malehood to then transform into boyhood and then transform into manhood. Just understanding when you're at different stages, what do we do with it? How are our thought process and our actions in those different stages to remind us where do we need to be going? Mm. And sometimes we can be in a manhood stage Mm. At one minute, mm. and then revert back to the boyhood stage. Yep. And just helping us to stay on track mm-hmm. and laying out a blueprint to remind us of what we need to do to help when we get into that manhood stage mm-hmm. to stay there, mm-hmm. to cultivate it, mm. to manifest it, mm. and be the best black man that we can. Mm. And so it's a beautiful roadmap mm. of helping us to understand who we are and who we must become. Mm. That's perfect. I like there's so many good jewels in that book. Like whenever I do that, uh why to attend the HBCU seminar, the main reference I use from that book every time is the 
male to a boy to a man because I feel like your HBCU, if you utilize it and you take um, advantage of all the resources, mm-hmm. yes, it's the perfect spot to get you from that boyhood to a manhood. Perfect spot. Perfect. And for the women, it's the perfect spot to get you from a girl to a woman. Absolutely. You know, because that, that it's something about that. And we talked about, you know, he talks about that cocoon stage and going in and when you blossom into that butterfly, that's it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yes. Speaking to that, what is it like? Did you did you always want to be a, a professor? Like, how did that how did that come about? Because it seemed like it was something you were just born to do. I just don't know if it was something that you always thought you would do, or if it kind of you know how it came about. Like, so what is it? How how did it happen? I always knew that I was going to be a counselor because. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my main thing. Mm-hmm. I knew I was to help people, mm-hmm. to make life better for other individuals. Mm-hmm. And counseling was the umbrella mm-hmm. to be able to do that, to have that impact on people and to really get deep and personal with individuals. Mm-hmm. So I knew I was always going to be a counselor. Mm-hmm. When I got to the college world, I knew I always wanted to teach. Mm-hmm. From my freshman year, mm-hmm. I want to be a college professor right. because I want to be able to have that impact and that flexibility mm-hmm. to be able to teach truth. Mm-hmm. I wanted this so badly. And so I was given opportunities in my undergrad, mm-hmm. opportunities to substitute for some of my professors gotcha. uh, and take over their class. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to be teacher's assistants. Mm -hmm. So I was given that. So I was given that practice, that training. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I love this. Mm -hmm. And here I am, a junior Mm -hmm. and a senior Mm -hmm. in college. And I'm speaking to my peers and I have the class all to myself. Mm -hmm. And when I'm speaking to them and I'm teaching them knowledge and information, Mm -hmm. it impacts them so much. Some of them used to ask me, you need, when you're going to be our teacher, Mm. you need to stay. Right. Because of how I delivered information to be able to help with their conscious development. Mm. And so I knew that teaching was a gift that I had. Mm just like counseling. Mm-hmm. So those are two gifts that I know that has been given to me by the creator. And those are two gifts that I have always perfected perfected, and mastered to really help our peoples. Mm-hmm. So being a professor is the greatest gift. I love it. 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 I can tell you the students love it, too, because I feel like it's nothing like, like I told Mo, I probably could count. I know I can count on one hand the amount of black male teachers mm-hmm. I had, mm-hmm. you know, kindergarten, elementary, middle, high mm-hmm. school. So to be able to see, you know, men like yourself and the Dr. Woods and the Dr. Cars, you know, that come mm-hmm. in there and could really teach us about ourselves and, uh, you know, 
within whichever class they teach mm-hmm. it, you know, whether it be freshman seminar or communications or history, mm-hmm. just teaching us about ourselves and giving us that confidence is mm-hmm. nothing like it. So we appreciate you, brother, because we're all, all right. about giving people their roses while they're here. I thank you. I thank you. Know? you. So we need more Brother Shorters on our campuses. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this will encourage some of the listeners who are getting into school. Like, think about education, man. Think about it. Mm-hmm. So perfect field, perfect field, perfect field, perfect so, field. So, backtracking a little bit, we talked about people, the organization Black Male Agenda is working with in the community, and I know right now it's just pretty much at Bowie State University. So, what do you see next for the group? Like, what, what would you like to see? You know, from what you can, you know, give us. What do you see? Well, when Black Male Agenda was originally created, we know that we had to go beyond Bowie State University because when you're on a college campus solely, now you you become elitist mm-hmm. because you are separating yourself True. from a group of people. Everybody don't have the opportunities to come to college. Right. For many different reasons. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just saying you're trying to help your peoples, but you're only going to stay on the college level, now you're putting yourself in elitist status. Mm. Um, but you have to start somewhere. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Um, and at the same time, you have to realize before you leave the college campus, you want to make sure that you help produce and create and establish women, mm-hmm. black women. Mm-hmm. So that's why through Black Male Agenda, when we all met, we decided it was time for us to create black women's group mm-hmm. with African-centered consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that's where at Bowie State University, we now have the feathers of Maat. Mm-hmm. But that came from black men saying that we still need to work with black women. Mm -hmm. We need to collaborate with them, but we want a black women's group that is African-centered conscious so we can work together. And then we can truly, truly build Mm -hmm. a nation within a nation. Mm -hmm. And so after that was established, and Feza Ma'at is doing extremely well. There's nothing else left for us to do at Bowie State University. Mm-hmm. We've done it all. Mm-hmm. We've laid down the foundation. Mm-hmm. We have created and produced thousands of leaders. Mm-hmm. And we have impacted people's lives. We have changed the culture of Bowie State University forever. Mm-hmm. We are a producer of leaders, of scholars. But now it's time to get into the community. Mm-hmm. And it's time to use what we have created to build upon that. So those in community, so we can create more powerful Black leaders. Mm-hmm. The time 
has come mm-hmm. to go beyond Bowie State University. See, one thing when you're on a college campus, you still have a lot of barriers. Very true. And you can have a lot of barriers from faculty, mm-hmm. staff, students, mm-hmm. and administration. Why? Because everyone don't appreciate your greatness. Mm-hmm. So you go out into the community where you don't have people placing barriers because of their envy and their jealousy. Mm-hmm. Now, people are going to do it anyway, but you don't want to be trapped mm-hmm. and blocked. Mm-hmm. No matter all the greatness that we do, we still have to deal with unnecessary foolishness. Mm. So going into the community, you have even much more autonomy. Mm. And you have a large population of people who's even willing to support you. Mm-hmm. Regardless if you have others with their foolishness. Mm. But we have a large people that support you because you're helping to cultivate powerful black male leaders Mm. and make them greater than what they can ever imagine. Mm. The investment that we give to individuals, we really invest in people's lives. So a lot of people want that in the community. Mm. And that's where our focus is and should be anyway. Perfect. What do you think as we, you hear about it from coast to coast, city to city, state to state, uh, everybody is kind of doing something here towards the black males. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter yes. what level of education it is. They, they think they're the most at risk or whatever it is. And everybody is trying to figure out what, like, how can we address the boys? How can we address them? How can we get to them? From your perspective, what do you think needs to be done at? all levels of education to ensure that these young boys are finding their way through school, like making sure that they accomplish, you know, what they've been put out there to do and really finding a greatness because we, we tired of hearing that, you know? So what, what do you think has to be done? On all levels, we have to make sure that, their needs are being met. Mm-hmm. Whether it's being able to eat mm-hmm. healthy foods yep. and or not having food at all to eat. Mm. We need to make sure that they're taken care of. Mm-hmm. In the mix of them being taken care of personally, socially, right. emotionally, and mentally, on all levels, and investing in them and holding them accountable of being great, empowering them, mm-hmm. laying out that blueprint for them, <coughs> or helping them to lay out that blueprint for themselves, and working with and guiding them along the process. So that's one major component. Mm. Another major component that we have to make sure that they receive supreme wisdom and knowledge. Mm. 
that they truly are able to master information mm. and apply that information to build mm. in this life. We have to make sure of that. So that's a major component. And the other major component that we must do, we must make sure that all the necessary resources and support is given to them at every stage of their development, mm. every stage of their education, mm. that they receive Everything They have access to everything. Our people should have access to everything. We have, amongst us as a people, we have everything that we need. We have all the knowledge, all the wisdom from all the different peoples. Mm. Whether it's dealing with agriculture, whether it's dealing with chemistry, yep. whether it's dealing with engineering, we have that knowledge we need to make sure that they are well provided with the necessary tools for their growth and development. Mm -hmm. So that support system mm -hmm. should be there, which means we must invest in our own. Mm -hmm. And that is what do not always get done it's the investment right and it's a lot of work right. right right it's a lot of time it's a lot of attention it's a lot of analyzing it's a lot of strategic planning mm -hmm. it's a lot of investment mm. and we have to understand the importance of that and in the mix of that we have to make sure that we're being truthful and honest with them right about the world we live in mm -hmm. so they can develop a blueprint mm -hmm. to carry out their lives mm. and really add on to the greatness that their peoples, their ancestors have started from the beginning. Mm. They're builders. And that's what we must do. Right. From birth through death. Uh -huh. Dang, I got two good questions for you. But I don't know, I'm going to remember the next one. But since we was on that part with the black boys, um, I'll ask you this one first. Because um, I feel like it ties in everything you're talking about. But the importance of rites of passage for black males. Because I think that's something that gets lost uh because you see a lot with all other cultures, they may have it like it's something they're building up. It might be their 16th birthday, 18th birthday, but a lot of other different cultures, whether they be Jewish or Mexican or, you know, whatever it is, they got some form of rites of passage that they're working towards, you know what I'm saying, on the way up. Um, so where do you think that rites of passage plays in or ties in to everything that you were just talking about? Well, it's, it's there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that throughout life, you should go through a rites of passage process. Mm -hmm. Because at every stage in your life, you need individuals to help guide you and groom you and prepare you mm -hmm. for what you're about to encounter. Mm -hmm. So you have that necessary tools to help you 
to be able to figure out on what you need to do. Right. At the same time, you have that love, that support, that wisdom. You have that guidance. Mm-hmm. And you have people invested in you. Mm. And that's at every stage of your life. Right. That's why in, in, in Black Male Agenda, we always say the process never ends. Right. The rites of passage is continuous. Mm. Because we're supposed to continue to hold each other accountable and support each other and guide each other and provide each other with resources. Mm. So they can be able to continue on. Mm. Because in, in life, you have different stages. Right. Different things that you're going to encounter. Right. You need that support system. Right. But you need to be properly fed mm. with the right things that is needed mm-hmm. for you. Right. To be able to manifest your greatness. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely right, bro. Oh, yeah, man. That's that. That is what it is. And I think um, the other part you had talked about too, uh, outside of just the rites of passage, is uh, you know I think one of the things that us as leaders and people who are gonna be grooming folks, we gotta make sure that we hold ourselves accountable, like you had said, with the follow up. As I talk to folks all the time at, you know, these conferences, and I'm sure you do too, but some of us can be so bad at Absolutely. following up with these young people at, that are calling out, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying, like really calling out for our help, and that could be our one opportunity, and you never know when you're that person, so I think it's it's definitely up you're to right. us. You're right. We have to. We have to follow up. Follow up and hold each other accountable because we don't want to be the reason that someone slipped through the cracks. Absolutely. You got to be able to know if your time ain't there, you got to be able to pass them to someone else. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So I think, uh, man, uh, uh, that's that's one thing I got from you. And uh, I, I hope that people listening to this understand that that. Right, not rites of passage, but mentoring and mm-hmm. grooming is a group effort, you know. So if you can't give them all that time that they need, like we said, please, 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 mm-hmm. make sure you link them up with someone who can. That's it. It's important. Right, and you never know. You never know the role and relationship that you'll have with individuals. Right. You never know. Right. It was an individual who. I used to spend a lot of time with, uh, about four years ago, mm-hmm. spent a lot of time with. He's come, we used to talk a lot. He's get a lot of knowledge, a lot of insight, and we used to just brainstorm and just talk about his life. Mm-hmm. Then it was this basically about three-year gap of right. time that, you know, I touched bases with him periodically, but mm-hmm. not like we used to. All right. And then out to clear, the individual just called mm-hmm. and said, I'm going through this major issue, mm-hmm. and you're the only one mm-hmm. that I know that will truly help me. Right. You never know. Mm-hmm. You never know when that mm-hmm. things are going to come back. Mm-hmm. And I always tell this story, and I'll tell it very briefly. You never know the relationship that you have with the individual. You'll never know when someone is going to be in your freshman seminar class 
by the name of uh, Amir Hassan Walton. <laughs> this individual in 2007, you never know that that same person who you spend a lot of time with In 2007 and in 2008 and in 2009, and then when 2010 comes, that right before your mother's about to pass away or my mother's about to pass away, mm. he's the one that you call on. All right. You never know. Yeah. And so when my mother was about to pass, for me to know you the first person in my mind to call. You never know why people are placed in your life. You never know to the full extent. You may know at the moment at times, but you never know the future mm -hmm. to how they're going to play in your life. Mm. And so always say, do everything in your power to do the right thing. Absolutely. Do everything in your power to stay connected with individuals. Because on one end, you don't know the role that they're going to play in your life, mm -hmm. and you don't know the role that you're going to play in theirs. But time in itself will reveal that. Right. So that investment is a two-way process. Mm. Mm. You invest in them, and they invest in you. Because they also giving you that time and attention, even for them, even for you to be able to invest in them. They're giving that, they're allowing that to happen. And they also are providing that for you. Right. We get that investment as well, right. working with individuals. We get that love, we get that support, we get that attention. So it's, it's, that's, what, that's the unity. Mm. That's working together. We need to do that. That's what's going to help us to be so successful, to so great, if we work together to provide that love and that support. Mm. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you more. Appreciate you, brother. That's that is real. That's definitely real. You never know who's going to step into your life. That's why it's important to be good to people. Mm -hmm. I remember one of the things you always said in your class um, was. It's only two ways. you either building someone up or you breaking someone down. Mm -hmm. There's no in-between. So mm -hmm. you're either going to affect people positively or negatively. Yeah. And that's something we got to take a lot more serious. That's something I take very serious. I, I just I want to leave people knowing that I had a positive impact. I think if we all take that perspective and that viewpoint, like things would be a lot better. Well, I think you do a great job of doing that. I think you do an excellent job. Appreciate that, and brother. I, you're welcome. I always let people know that you, you have always, you have always been the one, the number one holistic, well-rounded individual <laughs> that people gravitate to. Because you know how to talk to people when they're going through troubled times. You, all, you know when to make them laugh and engage in that. You know you can talk about a variety of multiple topics. Mm -hmm. It does not matter. You can engage in that conversation mm -hmm. with individuals and make them feel that their voices is heard. Mm -hmm. You can do that. 
You're very positive. You're very enlightening. You're very encouraging. You're very supportive. You're very loving. When you have, when you well-rounded like that and have that type of personality and that type of attitude and that type of character, mm-hmm. people gravitate to you. Mm-hmm. And you follow up with people. Mm-hmm. You invest in people. It goes back to that you invest in their lives because you care about them. You do that so well. That's what I truly understand when Tupac was talking about being a real model. Mm. That's who you are. Mm. And it's our responsibility to continue to help to nurture that for you. To support you. To hold you accountable to maintaining that greatness. Mm. So I appreciate you, and I thank you for what you do to help with the liberation and the salvation of the black nation because you are an unapologetic African who has an African-centered consciousness that build the foundation the infrastructure of black male agenda mm. and feathers of mod. One of the greatest things I can say I've done, bro. That was you. <laughs> that was you. You, you spent countless of hours, countless of hours building that core infrastructure. It was you. Mm. I always will give you that credit for the work that you put in of making sure that not only did it happen, making sure that it maintained in existence. Mm. All I can say is thanks to you, thanks to Brother Foster. Thanks to Marcus. Thanks to Brian. Thanks to Maurice Robinson. Because we was the team. We, we, we did it. And honestly, like, like I said at the uh, awards ceremony, like I felt like uh, those guys, you know, it, it was just the perfect storm. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. We complimented each other so well from us to the, uh, 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 to the advisors, you know, it was just, it was just perfect, man, and it was just a blessing to be a part of. And it's just one of those things where it's like I'm, I'm happy I got, I was there for it when it started. You know, what I'm saying, not knocking nobody else who came in later, but to be there when something <laughs> Start, started, yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing, yeah, it's nothing like that, man. It's nothing like that. So I want to ask you, since you on the HBCU campus, you on there? What's up? I mean, look, I'm not trying to get you in trouble, man. No, oh, you know, I, I really don't give a crap about any that going in trouble. I know you don't. I'm unapologetic yeah, you know. when it comes to my consciousness you and know. my truth. Right. You know, I just did that for suspense. Though, yeah, I know. And I, just, yeah, I don't give a crap about that. No, but the HBCU president's meeting with your boy, your boy Trump, Sir Donald. Then they come back less than a week later talking about, 
Uh, well, one of them did talking about they got think they got played, and it was just you know just seeing them smiling. In the Morehouse. Yeah, I mean, but hey, we 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 buoy so so Burnham was up there smiling it up, mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to see what you thought about that because I think it kind of tied into what you were saying uh, earlier as well, but about us investing our own money mm-hmm. into it mm-hmm. so we don't got to step into that room mm-hmm. feeling like we need that man to make sure you know our institutions are functioning the way they do so i just wanted to get your thoughts on the whole situation and the investing piece well i think that um the presidents meet right president of university president of the united states meet with College presidents mm-hmm. in general, right? And you know, there's the HBCU initiative. Mm-hmm. So, him being able to meet with the HBCU presidents and dealing with an executive order—that's that's something that is expected, right? Even though at that time they was they was thinking they were just going to meet with the Secretary of Education mm-hmm. because she's the one who really have a lot of the pull right. to really make things happen and for her to understand the value and importance of HBCUs and then it got derailed mm-hmm. <laughs> and cut time in half and to be able to meet with him so they were, they were surprised mm-hmm. on that meeting but it makes sense to meet with the President of the United States so you can be able to talk about the importance of HBCUs and hopefully to get funding Mm -hmm. and other resources. So they all came in with that intention Mm -hmm. and with an executive order that they they thought that the executive order was going to help lay those things out. Right. So that's what they thought. Mm -hmm. But they realized as the president of Morehouse talked about think we've been played <laughs> um, president of Dillard mm-hmm. talked about we didn't we didn't get a chance to talk about funding mm-hmm. especially dealing with Pell Grants mm-hmm. or other type of contracts and other type of resources mm-hmm. and supports that HBCU needs. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. That's what they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's not part of the executive order. So with that, they came to realize that on one end, as the president of Dillard stated, that yes, that was a first step. Mm-hmm. Now what? All right. But it also reminds those in the HBCU world that we have to come up with other methods mm-hmm. to be self-sufficient. Right. If a person do not treat you right, mm-hmm. How are you going to expect them to continue to maintain ways to support and encourage you 
Mm. Well, you know they don't like you in the first place. Mm. And that's the root of what's going on. Right. So you can't be dependent on your enemy for your survival. Yep. But you hold your enemy accountable. Right, right, right. For what they owe you. Right. And you take measures to make sure you get paid. Right. But at the same time, you have to still come to the realization that you have to do what you need to do to take care of your own survival. Mm. Mm. And that's what the HBCU presidents must take into consideration and must move forward with a different form of agenda. Mm-hmm. HBCU, HBCU presidents need an African-centered agenda. Mm-hmm. That's what they need. Mm-hmm. They need to start connecting themselves with the African diaspora. Mm. They need to start connecting themselves with black businesses. Mm. See, we need to utilize the Nation of Islam's infrastructure of how to utilize our peoples in all walks of life Mm. to utilize them to help build a nation within a nation and build a powerful nation. That's what is needed. We got to come with a different paradigm. You're right. You're absolutely right. Similar in action, but different in theory. Mm. The theory, it got to be African-centered. Mm. It has to be. Mm. Yeah. I feel you. I, I think that was just the part that frustrated a lot of folks with it because it was like, were you, were you surprised you got played? Like, really? Like, <laughs> are you really surprised? So, yeah, but you're absolutely right, bro. You're absolutely right. So hopefully they'll start taking some more steps towards that. But uh, even for them, you know, I feel like it's something we can't even wait on them for. That's why we got the black male agendas of the oh, world. absolutely. You know, so that's 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 the good thing about it. So before we get out of here, and you know, I got to bring you back on sometime real soon. Yeah. I'll real come soon. on anytime. Oh, yeah, we need that. The culture needs that. Yes. Are there any words of wisdom you have for the good people out there listening that uh, are looking? for some inspiration for themselves, whether it be personal goals, uh, community goals, any type of goals they may have. What, just just leave them with a little something as your closing statement. You must speak life to yourself You must speak life to our peoples. You must use the power of your words to bring forth action. 
It's imperative for us as a peoples to be able to do what we need to do for our own liberation and our own salvation. It's imperative for us as a peoples to develop ourselves to a higher level of spiritual consciousness and make sure that our people understand the greatness within themselves. It is imperative, 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 imperative for us as a peoples to gain that universal knowledge of ourselves and master that universal knowledge of ourselves so we can create the greatest civilization known to life. It is imperative. When you live life, that becomes the greatest civilization. Mm. Because you're living it. Mm. It's great because you are bringing forth greatness. Mm. For every generation or every individual that come into existence throughout this whole life cycle, that is the greatest for them because that is what they're conscious of. And they must produce because they're adding on to the greatness that already exists. So family, please, live life greater than what you can ever imagine Mm. for you to live life. And make sure that the life you live is the life that you truly decide that you're going to live. Wow. Amen, brother. Thank you. And the Shimotep. Hey, Shimotep. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, brother. Like thank I you, said, great thank one. you. Uh, we will have you back on real soon. To all the listeners, we love you. I love you too. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. <laughs>